Welcome to the Relational Recovery Podcast. I'm your host, Wes Thompson, joined by my co-host, Austin Hill. We will be continuing our conversation from yesterday, and we hope you enjoy. We're not going to get what we want all the time. Right. You know? What do we do when that happens? Mm-hmm. How do we respond when that happens? Um, when we think about the fruit of the Spirit in the New Testament, you know, going to Scripture, um, we see that really specifically in Galatians 5. But, you know, we think about that, and, and we talk about fruit of the Spirit, all that means is the character qualities of God. So what is God like? You know, what, what's his personality like? What's his character like? And one of them is self-control. There's not one that says others control. Yeah. There's not one that says, you know, control what only God can control. There's not one that talks about, you know, controlling the world. Uh, one of the qualities is self-control, be self-controlled. Right. And I know, I know that we're belaboring this quite a bit and we keep talking about it, but it is amazing how I think this is one of our main, one of our main struggles as human beings. Mm-hmm. We come into the world self-centered and others controlling. Yep. When at the end of the day, I believe in my Christian worldview that the turn that the you know the turn of a mature person is when we can make the turn to being Christ-centered and self-controlling. So we go from self-centered and others controlling to Christ-centered and self-controlling. Because I can't control what other people do. I can't control what God does. I can control my character, what I choose to do when no one's looking, how I choose to respond to the good things and the struggles of life. Mm -hmm. Those things are in my control. And, and Jesus modeled this, you know, uh, one of the things I wanted to make sure that we hit on today is how is all of this modeled in Christ? And, you know, you, you look back at the, you know, obviously the church wasn't inaugurated yet when Jesus was on earth, but it, it began soon after, and, and what we saw was that Jesus hung out with 12 people for a long time, and the Jewish folks were under Roman rule, and it was very unjust, and they were, they, they were, they were marginalized and persecuted in ways that we don't experience in our context in America, and they wanted to make Jesus the king, and they wanted to take over by force, and it's amazing how... Even Jesus in his earthly ministry had such an emphasis on developing and discipling and doing life with these 12 men. Um, It's fascinating. It really is when you think about it. Because that's like, that seems to be a pretty good prescription for maybe what we should should spend more time doing. Mm. Yeah. And when we think about the refuge context, right? Isn't that why we emphasize mentors and coaching and, and, you know, having, having, uh, the brothers in the ministry that you, that you really confide in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's the l- using like how Jesus did relationships as an example, just like if you're not, if you didn't grow up in church or not familiar with the Bible, like the 12 disciples were not all the same type of person, right? There was, somebody who was a tax collector that essentially worked for the man like a corporate sellout. There was a guy, uh, Simon the Zealot, very sort of Simon the Zealot, which is essentially who you would say would be someone who was protesting something that they were bent out of shape about for social justice. 
they were all in the same camp. There was an accountant. There was a couple of small business owners. They all, some of them lived in like podunk towns. So like a, a modern context is like somewhat, some guys came from a trailer park, drove a big truck, ran their parents' business. Then there was guys who were protesting on the weekends for Black Lives Matter stuff. Then there was guys also who worked for this giant corporation who was doing these horrible things to the people we cared about. And this guy was making money off of it. Those were the disciples, these ragtag group of guys that followed this guy, Jesus. They hung out together for three years. You are only having like a refuge guys. You're only hanging out for 13 months. Like these guys signed up for three years. They actually didn't even know how long they were going to be. They were hanging out with each other. Right. That's, that's nuts. So it's, it, I say all of that, meaning like the group of people that we choose, that's another thing we can control is like who we get to choose, who we choose to hang out with. Right. Who we invest our time in, who we allow to invest time into us. Doesn't have to be someone that, that looks and thinks and acts like me. Hopefully it's someone different because we need those different perspectives. Because again, that's how Jesus modeled things. Yeah, and so maybe we could maybe we could spend a few minutes talking about in practice. And and we'll keep coming back to this in the weeks ahead, but as we think about this relational approach to recovery, um, there's obvious struggles that come up consistently mm. in our context. So this might not translate across the board, but I would assume that a lot of it does. But you know, the first thing I'll say is is just make this blanket statement because I think that especially if you're someone in recovery, especially if you're someone at the refuge right now, um, there's there's this this reality that you can count on that you can that you can take to the bank that if if I'm gonna struggle. Then, 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 then a diagnostic for that, or, or how I can know if I'm headed towards really struggling, it's am I isolating? Mm. Am I isolating? Am I being honest with myself? Am I being honest with others? But think of the word isolation. If there's goodness, then there's then there's the opposite of goodness, right? And and I believe, in my worldview, is I do believe in in evil. And I believe that ultimately evil wants to wants to destroy what's good. And if you are doing well, you can you can be assured that well, some of the first challenges you're going to face. I mean, you're going to face them while you're in the refuge, but especially when you launch, is this temptation to isolate. And just know that how evil works is is it tends to take something that's good and distort it. And most of the time it starts out small and ends up being much bigger. But I would, I would encourage, my, you know, and this is for me as well, right? We're all, when I think back to that mission statement, right? We're all on this pathway and this journey of relational health. But ask yourself, am I isolated, right? Am I in community? Am I being honest about my unwanted thoughts? And maybe even my, my, my mistakes. Like, am I being honest about my unwanted behaviors? And so on and so forth. Because if you're isolating, I can guarantee you it's not going to end well. Mm. So hearing that, I wonder, Austin, if you have, you know, you've, you, you, you lead our 
you've led every phase of the refuge, but you also lead. <laughs> you, I forgot, I have. <clears throat> yeah. And now you're helping um, direct some of the, the initiatives of, you know, as, as guys are post-refuge. But any thoughts around, around that? Yeah, I think uh, it's good to identify kind of like if goodness is one end and evil is on the other. The difference between isolation and solitude and how we understand that solitude is necessary. Jesus practiced solitude, which means he went off by himself uh, for periods of time like and just kind of like calmed things down, focused on who he was and who God is. Isolation is different meaning because it's we are... We have a desire to not be in relationship with anything. Mm-hmm. We ignore our problem. Isolation can look like watching six hours of TV. Isolation can look like I'm going to go lay in my bed and not talk to anybody. It's an intentional. Um, it's an isolation is intentionally putting boundaries up where they don't need to be up. It's a fear of vulnerability. Um, that's what it looks like. We and we use the words of who's isolating. In the refuge, we ask, is, is he isolating? Is, so is he intentionally working to not be in community? And it's really hard in the refuge to not be in community. So it takes a lot of effort to isolate in the refuge. So we all know someone who is doing it right now. So it's how do we as a community, how do I, what can I control? How do I respond to it? I see someone who's isolating. It doesn't mean we like grab him and say, hey, come down to the dining hall. And we're going to play cards because he may not want to. But it's identifying, saying like, hey, I see you. Let's talk later. Or this behavior, like this, this can, I, because I care about you, man, this, these actions, like it seems like you're isolating and concerned about how it's going to look for. Because um, to be f- completely honest, a, a really good example is uh, isolation is what leads to death. And in, in addiction, isolation kills you because if nobody's around, if they, if you have Narcan in your pocket and you overdose, if no one else is in the room, that Narcan isn't, is of no help to you. And, and then in a, if you're in recovery, what that looks like is if you are feeling alone, sad, and you isolate and there's no one around you, you're a lot more likely to lie to yourself and say, you know what I need? I need to relapse. That's going to make me feel better. Like, that's what I need. I'm, there's a hole inside me. I, I guess I challenge each, each of you when you find yourself tempted to use something, not just drugs, or anger, I bet it is very closely aligned with because I feel lonely and I'm isolated. And loneliness is even more painful when we tell ourselves that no one wants to be with me. No one wants to know me. That's even more painful. And it's a lie we tell ourselves in isolation. Because if you were to ask or be intentional, because you're intentionally choosing to isolate, you can also intentionally choose to be in community. It's just being in community is a little bit scarier because there's always that fear of rejection. But in isolation, you kind of you kind of say like I would rather be alone and lonely than for there to be a possibility of rejection. Right. Right. Yeah, there's a vulnerability that comes with this reality of of being in relationship and being in community. But there's the opportunity for life where if I'm isolating, it's just never going to end well. Right. So I think the question we have to ask ourselves right now is, am I isolating? Hmm. Am, I, am I not being completely honest with myself and others? Are there things that I'm hiding? Because that, those things just reveal that, you know, if, if, if I felt good about where I am, why would I be hiding? 
Yeah. Yeah. When Adam and Eve uh, did what they did in the garden, they disobeyed God's command. The first thing they did was hide. If they had no shame and they felt great about what they'd done, why would they hide? So it's fascinating that we'll get so upset about, why are you prying? Or, you know, I'm doing fine. And like the only person we're fooling when we do that is ourselves. Because at the end of the day, God's inviting us into freedom. And freedom doesn't look like hiding. Right. <laughs> freedom doesn't look like I've got to conceal what I'm doing. Because, because when I'm concealing what I'm doing, then I obviously, somewhere in me, feels bad mm-hmm. and, and knows better. Yeah. And isolation doesn't always look like quiet sitting in the corner. Isolation can be, uh, is those unnecessary boundaries in someone who seems to always be around people, but is never going deep in conversations or relationship with someone. That, that if you are only having good days, I would say that's just as much a red flag as if you're only having bad days. Because if you're only having good days, you're ignoring the fact that things affect us in a positive and negative way. Hmm. So people can isolate right in front of you. And so this is, this is more complex than just like someone who's quiet or sleeps a lot. It's someone's like, am I willing to be intentional to get deep in relationship with others? That's what I, isolation, like we are complicated people. Yeah. Like on purpose. Like God designed us not as a mistake. He designed us with flaws and faults, strengths and weaknesses on purpose. It's not like this joke that we're like, man, if just everybody would just either like get their crap together, things would be better. Like it's, it's the reality that like in our relationship, Wes, if I start messing up, you say something. If you start messing up, I say something. Yeah. It's not a like, well, if we're both doing well, we don't have to say anything. There's always going to be those difficult conversations. There should be. And so what the refuge does is it provides, what is it? It mashes guys together, living in close contact with each other for a long period of time where you really get to know each other's ticks. I mean, every single one of you who's played cards together, you know the tells that we all have. So it's, we deeply know each other. And so we're able to call things out because if we are coming from a place of relationship with God is the most important thing, that is the foundation of what we do, which means relationship with others and ourself is just as important. So if I see that someone has an unhealthy relationship with themselves because I care about them, I'm going to point it out. I'm going to say something. That's, that is why relationships are the most important thing. Because if we're just focusing, if we think that drug use is the, is the problem, then we'll just, you know, like, lock guys up behind doors and be like, oh, there's no drugs getting in. It's all the problem. But then we just have a whole bunch of guys hating where they're at because they can't do anything. That's not living. Sobriety isn't necessarily freedom. Right. No, it's not. There's plenty of terrible people who hate their lives, who've never used drugs. And that's not the goal here. At the refuge, it's not to not use drugs. It's to be in healthy relationship with yourself, others, and God. That's it. So I guess in conclusion, the question to ask yourself is, am I in relationship with others, with God, with myself, and with the world in a way that I, can be, that I feel like is, is me being honest? Or am I isolating? Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Relational Recovery Podcast. We look forward to a new conversation starting next week where Austin and I will discuss how people change and reflect on the Apostle Paul's reflections in Romans 7. We look forward to it, and we'll see you then.